Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Monday, January the 21st edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we revisit the thrilling championship games, including Brian Flores' plan for Patrick Mahomes in the AFC championship game, plus more additions to Flores' staff, all but finalized, some Shrine game talk, and a couple of articles giving us an insight into Brian Flores, the coach and the man, but also the Dolphins being divergent with their offseason plans. We're going to discuss all of that on a very busy Monday show for you guys, but real quick, first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, leave us a review, give me a follow on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and check out LockedOnDolphins.com as we have become the go-to authority for all your daily Dolphins analysis and news. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. We have so much to get to on the show. Let's go ahead and get started. That's another Miami Dolphins They tell us in the audio media platform industry, whatever you want to call this, they tell us to play the hits. Do not bury the lead, in other words. And today's show is one of a handful of times where the biggest hit is not going to be about the Miami Dolphins. Don't worry, we have tons of Finns football to talk about on this show. But the story of the day was a pair of overtime championship games that were... Well, they were both full of drama, but I think everybody in America and otherwise would agree that it was a bit too much zebra drama going on in these very important Sunday conference championship games. And this isn't just about the no call in New Orleans or the Brady phantom roughing the passer call on D Ford. And it isn't even just about Sunday. I mean, never mind the fact that they couldn't figure out where to spot the ball half the time in that Kansas City game. These issues only get magnified on Sunday because of the increase in viewership. But I don't have to tell you guys that officiating is a problem in the league. It is. It's a really bad problem in the NFL. And I think at this point, it's obviously clear they're going to have to institute a new rule that allows penalties to be reviewed because I'm sure it'll be very, very narrow language to start and then evolve from there, but they've got to do something. The alternative to the replay system that they have right now cost a team a trip to the Super Bowl, and you just can't have that if you want to maintain the integrity of the league. And then my biggest suggestion, part two to this whole thing, would be to revamp the crews altogether. I mean, sorry, call it ageist, call it radical, whatever you need to, but we don't need 70, 60, or even 50-year-old guys out there trying to keep up with the fastest athletes in the world. I mean, the image of the referee is just so wrong in every single way. Get more athletes onto the field to help officiate these games. Guys that are quicker, sharper, younger, they've got to make dramatic changes, and they've got to do it before the 2019 season. And as for the games themselves they were both high on drama and so much fun to watch as a football fan I was very surprised the Rams fought back the way they did and I was even more surprised that Drew Brees played as poorly as he did both teams backed off their aggressive nature at times 
whether that was Sean McVay kicking a field goal from the one-yard line or the Saints running the football on third and long several times in the game. thought both of those were very strange. I think the worst team did win the game, which sucks for the Saints. I feel terrible for their fans. And then there was the overtime thriller in Kansas City where Tom Brady, as he always does, marched the Patriots down the field and never gave Mahomes a chance to touch the football in overtime. And I thought this game was well-played and well-coached and a truly, truly NFL classic game. And it was fun to see Damian Williams doing his thing but in the end the movie ends the same way it always does ninth Super Bowl for the Patriots this century nine out of 19 years this century they're just one away from tying the combined conference championships of all the AFC teams all the other AFC teams put together utterly ridiculous for that Patriots team the machine continues to roll on But let's go ahead and put this thing on a Dolphins perspective lens and talk about it through the eyes of Dolphins fans. Our next head coach got some airtime and some praise on the CBS telecast, if only for a minute. But Miami now has to wait two weeks to finalize the staff. But we do have some more news regarding said staff, and we'll get into that in our next segment here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Travis Wingfield, your daily host with you guys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. But I want to talk about the game Flores called against Mahomes and that Chiefs offense. And I know folks will point to the dreadful fourth quarter where Kansas City got whatever they wanted, and they did. They did so much in that fourth quarter. But man, Mahomes is tough. He's a tough out. A lot of those plays are the ones that he made all year where you have to just tip your cap because he had 5,000 passing yards and 50 touchdowns on the year, making plays just like the ones he made in that fourth quarter. But you look at the body of work for the entirety of the game, all four quarters. And number one, the Chiefs did only score 31 points in the four quarters. That is a lot, but it is also less than their season average, 4.3 points less than their season average, in fact. And the variety, the complexity, the substitution consistency and efficiency of those substitutions. It was a well-crafted plan. The inside games, the stunts and the twists to set up the outside contain rushes. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. And it probably did have quite a bit of Belichick's fingerprints on it because let's face it, that's just what the Patriots do. Take away your best player and your best player's best attributes, but that's just what they did. And it was clear that Mahomes was frustrated by New England constantly cutting off those escape alleys at the start of the game. But then there was just the play calling and that part all does fall on Brian Flores, the blitzes, the coverage packages on the back end, operating with so much two, four fronts with a nickel behind them, or even the three, three fronts. I talked about this on Twitter and there were plenty of snaps where the Patriots had four linebackers on the field, John Simon, Dante Hightower, Elandon Roberts, and Kyle Van Noy out there a lot on this game. And the Dolphins have Rayquan McMillan and Jerome Baker to run that same type of defense, but they're going to need some other dudes besides Chase Allen, Stephon Anthony, who's a free agent, Mike Hole. They have to upgrade the depth of that unit and get three or four guys that can play. In this new defensive scheme we're going to see that has tons of different responsibilities at that position and different subgroups and packages and more depth you have to have behind them. So I do like Baker and McMillan in this defense, but they just need more help on that position group on this team. I trust Brian Flores will find that important and address that this offseason. And then you go back to the back seven and some of the coverage variety on that back end. Plenty of cover three and cover one. They run both of those coverages very often. But then those cover zero calls early on in the game to bring pressure on Mahomes. They really got after him, forced him into quick throws, inaccurate throws, off-balance throws, and got lots of three third down stops in that game and three and outs. And personally, I'm mostly just excited about the simple fundamentals that seem to be missing 
from so many defenses across the league and how I assume they'll come with Flores down to Miami. I mean, how many times in that game did the Chiefs let Edelman just take that free release at the line of scrimmage and catch an easy 10, 12, 15 yard pass? The Pats don't do that. They redirect, they funnel, they help in the right spot. They're there quickly to help. I'm very encouraged by that stuff on Brian Flores' defense and I'm excited for him to get down to Miami in two weeks and to get to work. And also, I'm encouraged by a report I saw from Joe Shad mentioning the likelihood that Flores would not bail on his deal. We're going to get to that next and discuss what the next steps might be for the Dolphins. Are they going to actually do a stripped-down rebuild? We'll discuss that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins. The Pats now on the way back to the Super Bowl for the third year in a row. Miami's head coaching chair remains vacant for two more weeks. And some folks, well, some folks are a tad nervous over the idea that Brian Flores could bail on this deal or antsy about the possibility of Flores pulling the Josh McDaniels on the Dolphins in early February coming up here in just a couple of weeks. Luckily, we have this from Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post. He wrote an article on Friday about Brian Flores not backing out of the deal the way Josh McDaniels did with the Colts last season. It's titled, Zero Chance Brian Flores Pulls a McDaniels-Belichick on Miami Dolphins. Of course, talking about Belichick using his Jets introductory press conference back in 1997 to announce his resignation and then to go to New England and take the Patriots job. So those guys, not so much with the integrity in their back pocket, but Brian Flores is different in that regard, and he will come to Miami in two weeks when the Patriots are either Super Bowl champions or Super Bowl runners-up as they beat the Chiefs on Sunday. And there's a couple of excerpts from that column that I thought were worth diving into here on the podcast. And first, this one comes from a Patriot staffer or someone familiar with the situation, as Joe Stiad put. He said, quote, he's excited, he wants this job, so everybody knows he's getting ready to leave the Patriots to go to Miami. We've heard reports from Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network that he will have a second interview in Miami this week where the purpose is to lay out the plans and contracts for the coaching staff that he will build underneath him. So Flores is pulling some double duty this week with the Super Bowl coming up in, what, 13 days now. And of course, the Dolphins job with the Senior Bowl on Saturday and all the stuff going down in Mobile all week long for the Senior Bowl. Those very important practices and meetings with players We'll have you guys covered on all that stuff here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. But then there was another note that Joe Shad tosses in there, and it inspired a talking point for me here on the show. And it says this this is straight from the article. Flores will be tasked with leading and teaching a youthful rebuilding roster, but he won't be prohibited from having any veterans on the team. For example, there is a good chance he'll bring back Danny Amendola, the veteran receiver and former Patriot who would set an example of the way Flores wants his players to prepare and practice. And that was kind of the idea or the MO that Adam Gaze brought Danny Amendola on. And I wanted to bring this up for a couple of reasons, that bit about Amendola, where Shad references, quote, he's not going to be prohibited from signing veteran free agents. His staff will be well-compensated men with experience under their belt, end quote. And also there's a note from Adam Beasley up on Twitter over the weekend. This is kind of piggybacking off of the Joe Shad bit there, saying that people close to Stephen Ross don't think he's patient enough for this detached approach of trying to rebuild over trying to win. 
and the Danny Amendola bit, the veteran bit there, I'm not so sure that this plan is as easy as they're just laying it out there for all of us and all of the world and the rest of the NFL world to see whether it's intended smoke and mirrors or Ross making a rash decision based on the emotions of firing gaze after another 0-3 finish to the season and then he slowly diverts back to his old habits. Is that what's going to happen? My hope is that they still try to fill out the most competitive roster they possibly can for 2019, but just that instead of doing the way the things the way they used to, just avoid those hefty contracts for middling guys like the Andre Branches, Kiko Alonso's, or even the imports like TJ McDonald. Don't give out these bad contracts to guys that frankly don't deserve them. Stay away from those contracts to often injured guys. And I'm not talking about the possibility of reclamation projects like a one-year deal, a la the Brent Grimes deal back in 2013. Like, for instance, I talked about it earlier. But like if Sean Lee cost you $4 million bucks for one year on a prove-it type of deal, if it makes the team better, go ahead and do it. Low risk, high reward. I'm all about that this offseason. And that last bit from Shad that really piqued my interest on their direction this offseason was the one regarding the quarterback position. And that's the biggest signal that I don't think that they're all in on the tank option. And the Shad article states this, the Dolphins don't have a quarterback of the future, but Flores understands Miami's plan to land one in 2019 or 2020. Notice we are not excluding the possibility that the Dolphins could add a rookie quarterback this season. And then there's a tweet up on Twitter from a guy that I won't even mention his name because frankly, I don't think he deserves it, but some former scout in the NFL that ruffles feathers all the damn time on there claims to have a close relationship with Chris Greer, Dolphins GM Chris Greer, and he insists that Greer will not draft Kyler Murray. I mean, maybe that's possible, but who really knows? That guy certainly does not know, but I don't think that they'll just punt on a rookie quarterback altogether. If they like one, they're going to go get one. So we'll see, because this offseason is fast approaching, and like I said, I don't think that Steven Ross maybe feels the same way today that he did in that end of season slash firing Adam Gay slash promoting Chris Greer press conference where I think a lot of emotions were still bottled up because he admitted himself that day that he made the decision late on Sunday night to fire Adam Gay. So maybe it was emotion field and we know that he's reacted heavily with knee-jerk reactions in the past, all of the 2014 Minnesota Vikings game when he announced that Philbin would be back, despite the fact that he had really not deserved a chance to come back. But this offseason is fast approaching. We're going to have all these answers, whether they're going to go all in on a quarterback, whether they're going to punt and tank, or just kind of do things they've done the way they've done them in the past. Who knows? But we'll have all those answers before you know it. In the meantime, you guys know that you're locked on to the best source for all Dolphins offseason news and analysis. And before we take our last break here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, there's one last article I want to touch base on regarding Brian Flores. And it was written by Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports. And you guys should recall that he wrote the excellent behind the scenes Dolphins scouting piece back in August following around the Dolphins scouting department and Chris Greer and all those guys and the idea of drafting Minka Fitzpatrick. If you haven't seen it, you should. But this newest one, Pete Thamel, is titled The Unsurprising Rise of Brian Flores. And I just wanted to share a couple of tidbits from that column with you guys. And in that column, before I get to the quotes here real quick, Thamel explored some of Flores' background, both in Brooklyn growing up in a tough neighborhood and his rise through the Patriots organization and all the stuff in between. So Thamel goes back to sharing stories with some of Flores' closest friends growing up in those projects as a youth. And the first quote that I wanted to talk about was this one where he says, quote, that's the thing about Brian. 
There's no secret sauce to him. He's just kind of outworked everybody, end quote. And then there's another quote talking about the 2020-20 club, as they call it, in New England. Guys that are 20 years old, or in their 20s, I should say, working 20 hours a day and making 20 grand a year, and the grind you have to go to to prove your worth and prove your salt that you're willing to put in the hours when it's really not that rewarding of a job being a coach in football until you finally make it and get the salary. But even then, the thankless nature of it, they instilled this basically drone workman-like mentality into these guys. And that's how Brian Flores rose to the ranks. He put his head down, worked his ass off, and got himself into this position. And now he's going to be calling the plays on defense in the Super Bowl into Sundays. And since this show has been so crammed, we're still going to pump out some news here in the final segment. Revisit Miami's number one free agent draft target that is so abundantly clear. We'll do that. Give you the briefest wrap-up on the Shrine game out there imaginable. All of that coming next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Winkle NFL at Locked On Fins. continues to roll in on weekends when we aren't doing the podcast and the latest came down on Sunday morning before the games happened when it was announced that Jim Caldwell will officially be joining the Miami Dolphins staff but not as the offensive coordinator as we had speculated earlier and confirms a Barry Jackson report from last week Jim Caldwell joins the staff as the assistant head coach to Brian Flores, as well as the quarterback's coach, which I personally like a whole lot. I want the younger coordinator route that we were told was coming via Albert Breer of the Monday morning quarterback. And yes, I still want Chad O'Shea from the Patriots, whether or not that's substantiated or not yet, but getting the experience in the quarterback room with a rookie that's going to obviously be there this year or next, probably even both of them. It's going to be paramount to have that experience. I referenced it on Twitter talking about Zach Taylor back with Ryan Tannehill in 2012, and he went from a graduate assistant for one year in college up to an assistant quarterbacks coach with the Miami Dolphins, and then the full-time promotion, nepotism at its finest, getting the job because Mike Sherman was his father-in-law. He was not qualified. They showed that on Hard Knocks. He was in there basically to babysit the room, and Matt Moore and David Garrard were the ones that led the room, which was not a good thing for Ryan Tannehill's development. And also, just give me a break with the, well, that's a great take because now he's the Bengals coach. Awesome. I mean, please, give me a break because he had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay and the fact that Mike Brown's the one that hired him, that's the big chest beater you want to go on to confirm Zach Taylor's competence as a coach. I mean, sure, the guy that kept Marvin Lewis for 16 years, I suppose, is the greatest decision maker in the league. So the fact that we're going from a 30-something-year-old, unexperienced, complete waste of a quarterback's coach to a guy that has seen everything in the league, coach Peyton Manning and Joe Flacco and Matt Stafford and plenty of other veteran quarterbacks that have done it for a long time, we know that he's going to be in Miami with that experience and communicating things with the Dolphins' young quarterback, whoever it might be. And we know that it's going to be Brian Flores, Jim Caldwell, we know about Patrick Graham coming on to coach the defense. We're still waiting on Brett Bielema, as well as plenty of others for the staff. But like we mentioned in the previous segment, should have a little bit more clarity on that as the week unfolds, as Brian Flores interviews for a second time in Miami to get the coaching staff sorted. And going back to that Joe Shad column, they mentioned that he is going to have coaches that are well-paid and well-compensated, Stephen Ross. Although they want to do this the right way on the rebuilding of the roster, they're not going to skimp on hiring coaches that are qualified and pay them 
with a level of compensation that's commensurate with the experience they offer this Miami Dolphins team. And then last note from the game on Sunday was how dominant and integral Trey Flowers was to that Patriots defense. This defense the Dolphins are going to run in 2019 and beyond is going to call on a variety of techniques, playing styles, alignments, so many things that change week to week as they truly will finally adapt their game plans for the opponent. At least we hope that's the thought with bringing a Patriots guy like Brian Flores in. So you need to add depth with guys that can fill out all sorts of roles on your football team up and down the defense. And Trey Flowers can play literally any of those roles on the front that you ask him to in this particular defense. At 25 years old, I'd have no issue making him the top offseason prize and target for this Dolphins team because if you sign him to a four or five year deal and your rebuild takes two to three years, well, there you go. You have a guy in his prime on that defensive line to sort things out for you. So that's the free agency tidbit of the day. We have plenty of draft news coming down the pipeline. And since the offseason is here and heating up and the Shrine game happened to go down on Saturday, I have just a couple of notes from that game real quick. We'll get to those right here. There is a defensive tackle in that game from Texas A&M named Daylon Mack, not Dylon, it's Daylon Mack. That could be one of those pieces on this defense. He's extremely quick, has a great get off, and probably serves as either a five or a three technique. I think he was about 280, so a little bit light in the pants. Not going to play inside, but he could be one of those rotational guys off the edge. Also, Jordan Brailford, the defensive end from uh, Oklahoma State, he played out of his mind in that game. Might have been the player of the game, if I do recall. I'm not. I didn't see the very end, so I'm not sure but he could be another player of interest at a position of need for this Dolphins team. Also on the defensive front, another guy there, Daniel Wise, brother of Patriots Dietrich Wise, another important part to that defensive line of the Patriots in that rotation. He balled out in the game. He's from Kansas. And then on offense, I really liked the opening drive from the Illinois guard, Nick Allegretti. He was pulling, he was getting out in space and doing lots of damage in that way. And how about Brett Ripien of Boise State showing the touch, showing the poise, the command in the pocket. I like him if the Dolphins are to have to settle for a second tier quarterback in this draft, maybe later on in the third or fourth round. Wouldn't be the worst option. I like his game. He could possibly be a fringe starter slash backup down the line in his career. And with the Shrine game now in the books, this week is Senior Bowl week, so it's going to be lots of draft talk on the podcast. I'll talk about some scouting tips for each position and what you guys can look for in the practices yourself, as well as players of interest for Miami. I'll unload my practice notebook talking about who shined, who did not, and also update you guys on all the Dolphins' visits while the Dolphins are down there in Mobile, Alabama. Trust me, guys, you're not going to need any other podcast this offseason. We are a daily show with the most dedicated and hardworking host in the business. Fam, I got you guys as always. And that, to me, is a perfect way to end this podcast. And remember, guys, if you have a smart speaker, you can tell your smart speaker to play Locked on Dolphins podcast, a new feature we are now equipped for on your smart speakers. Just say play Locked on Dolphins podcast to go ahead and play that thing right away. Also, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on our daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com, your daily source for Senior Bowl notes all this week. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.